Good morning, Mount Olivet. And thank you, ladies. Red letters. He kind of confused me because down in Nactus we have some red hatters. And he said, you're up right after the red letters. <laughs> and I wasn't sure what was coming until I looked there and saw, thank you so much, ladies. It is a privilege, a joy, and an honor to be back at Mount Olivet today to share with you in this 166th homecoming. No, I hadn't been here quite that long, Brother Richard, but uh, I remember a number of them along the way. Uh, I appreciate you and Miss Nicole, and I I'm not sure exactly when we committed to this, but I know we were out at Clara Springs Camp sitting around a picnic table at one of the fish fries. So that has to go back a while because we hadn't been able hardly to be out there, at least for the inside fish fries, for about six, seven, eight months. So it probably was seven or eight months ago, and he said, we're going to have our uh, homecoming in October, and I would like for you to come and speak. And I, I think, I don't know whether I accept it right on the spot. I usually do, but uh, I accept it anyway, and I'm delighted that I did. I had no idea what was going to happen between then and now, and he didn't, and you didn't. But uh, God was still working. God was still moving as he always does. He is sovereign. He's always in charge. And he's going to get the glory no matter what happens in the world. He is still in control. But I love this church. I, I, I think back the times that I have been here in past years. I think the last time I was here was on a Christmas time frame. And I spoke on the cradle, the cross, and the crown. And that's all out there for us. It's a marvelous message and thought of Jesus being born in a cradle. Lived for those 33 years. Died on a cross. Put in a borrowed tomb. Three days later rose and went back to glory. And one day he's taking us to glory with him. And we're going to get a crown. <clears throat> it's a crown of righteousness. And now we're not going to wear it around heaven. We're going to lay it at the feet of our Lord Jesus who made it possible that we could be there I, I look back over the list of those pictures out in the hallway out there and I, I, I fairly well know all of your former pastors and brother Richard your current pastor I look back and saw the, the, I don't know how far back it goes beyond those pictures but I, that would be about my starting point was knowing brother Jerry Smooker or Smucker as some called him and I'm not sure which it is. It's sort of like Nevada, Nevada, whatever they want to, however they want to pronounce it. But he was Brother Jerry Smooker to me. I know he pastored here, pastored over Converse. And we was in a conversation one day, and he said, Lee, how many different places have you served in District 8? Now, District 8 takes in Red River Parish, uh, Natchitoches Parish, DeSoto Parish, and Sabine Parish, with two associations in Sabine Parish and uh, 125 churches. And he said, well, Lee, you hadn't completed your ministry yet. What do you mean, Brother Jerry? He said, you hadn't pastored down in Vernon Parish yet. I said, well, he said, Vernon Parish is different, Brother Lee. You just need to go and pastor Vernon Parish. Well, after spending a year plus down at Fort Polk, I kind of understood what he was talking about. It is a little bit different, but some, still some great, great people down there. And then... Brother Billy Burkett, or Burkett, Burkett to me, a great, great, faithful man of God 
and a dear friend. I was in his house this past week. Mike was there. Don was there. Lisa was there. Brother Billy's there. But he's just barely there. Uh, He's in God's hands. But he has been one of the most faithful brothers in the Lord that I could ever have sat under, learned from, and loved. He taught me so much about ministry. He, he, he has never pastored outside District 8 except for two years when he went out to Colorado and then decided that's not where I need to be and came right back to District 8 and still pastor technically today out at the Bethany Baptist Church out of Marthaville because they won't take his name off the list and even though it's down to about five people. Brother Billy's still the pastor. And they love him. And I love him. He taught me about Clara Springs and when we was out there, we used to... Have I got to one o'clock? Okay, good. No, I'm serious. We used to, with Miss Clara Lord, we would break ground and several years later we'd burn the note. And we'd break ground and do something else and we'd burn the note later. And he finally said to me one day, Billy, let's stop burning notes. Let's just, everything that we do out here from now on, let's just wait till we get the money and pay for it, cash in hand. Okay. Well, that was... Three and a half million dollars ago. We've never borrowed a nickel. God started blessing all of y'all and others like y'all with Hainesville Shell and hard work and above and beyond contributions. And y'all have been down there and you've seen what God has done. But we hadn't borrowed a nickel since that conversation Brother Billy and I had in that regard. Now, he put me through some turbulent times. Brother Benny Alford had just come here as camp manager and Brother Benny, we put him in a third-handed mobile home. Somebody had had it, they sold it to somebody on Toledo Bend Lake and we bought it from those folks on Toledo Bend Lake and put Brother Benny and Miss Sally and three, four kids in that trailer. We needed a manager's home, Brother Richard, badly, badly. So we went to the Pleasant Hill Bank. Mr. W.O. Woods was the president, vice president, whatever. He's the man in charge in Pleasant Hill anyway. And we borrowed interim financing to get the house started. This was before Brother Billy and I had this conversation and commitment to each other. We borrowed about $50,000. That's a lot of money in 1977. Interest rates was about 18, 19, 20%. Marthaville First Baptist built a new church and they borrowed their money at 18% to build their church. But we had gotten the interim financing for about 9%. And Brother Billy said to me, Brother Lee, Go talk to Mr. Woods and see how long we can keep this interim financing. So here I went. Young, stupid, wet behind the ears. 
I was still pastoring First Baptist of Wally. And I went over there and I said, Mr. Wood, how long can we keep that 9% interim financing? And he looked at me. He looked up at the ceiling, I think, for about 30 minutes, but it was probably 30 seconds. And he said, uh, how long do you need it? I felt like I was in one of those debates on TV. Uh, three years, maybe? He looked back at the ceiling. And then he stood up, put his hand across the desk. And he said, you got it, son. You got it. Well, long story short, shorter anyway, in 32 months, we burned that note for $50,000 because folks just like you loved Clara Springs Camp. He wanted those boys and girls to be able to come and minister there and be ministered to. Well, <clears throat> Brother Guy and Miss Marion, I, 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 I came here, wasn't in this beautiful building. I was here for the dedication of this and participated in it. But we were over there. And now you're going to preach through Joshua in four Sundays, right? What, what, what? <laughs> the highlights, I know. But he said, I, I want you to come and teach the January Bible study through the book of Exodus in five nights. Boy, you talk about jumping through the pages. But it started out with Moses being born and put in the bulrushes and all this kind of stuff and Pharaoh's daughter. And from there we went on to him going before the Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And the plagues and the law that was given and uh, heading across the Red Sea and the, Phili the, 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 the Egyptian army behind them and all that kind of thing. And in five nights, it was a horse race. But we had fun. Some of you may have been there. That was have been a long time ago. I was in Zawali then. But God has been good. Brought you other pastors. Brought you a wonderful pastor now. Choices. Every one of us made a choice this morning. Mine may have been a little bit more difficult or less difficult than yours because I knew I was coming here to speak to you. But you had a choice. Am I going to get out of bed this morning? The temperature's gone down. It sure is nice to just stay, just stay in. And then a choice. Uh, uh, am I going to eat what I've been eating every morning or am I going not going to eat this morning? Or, or what am I going to wear? No, I, 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 choices, choices, choices. We all make choices Every single day. God's people, you and me, make a lot of choices. We live with those choices. Some of them are good. Some are not so good. I've been asked, Brother Richard, you, you might have been asked, how is it you make such good choices? And I quickly say, because of those bad choices I made before this. And that's pretty true of life. Life is experience. I wouldn't do that again. I'm not going there again. We learn from the bad experiences how to do better 
by the grace of God. Joshua, and, I, and, and since you're going to preach on this, I'm going to leave a bunch of what I might have said out. Because, but I do want to go back to, to the very first chapter in the first verse. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. Moses had led them to the edge of the river and all the problems that was there, and then God took them back into the wilderness for 40 long years. And all of those people died off. Even the spies that Moses sent in to check it out. Those 12 men. And only Joshua and Caleb had the courage to say, we can take this land. We maybe look like grasshoppers in the eyes of giants. But God is on our side. And we can do it because He can do it through us. But Moses had died. Joshua was selected by God Himself to take charge. We'll find that he had a special thing for Caleb later on. You remember, Caleb said... Give me this mountain. I'm an old man, but I'm still as strong as I was in my youth. At least spiritually he was. He might have lost some of his muscle strength, but said, God, give me this mountain. He was a man of faith, as Joshua was a man of faith. But all through this book, we see what God was doing because they were obedient to God. God can do a lot of things for us when we're totally obedient to Him. Now, sometimes He has to humble us. And I've been there, and maybe you have a time of two or three or four. He has a way of getting us in position where He can teach us some things. Some people say, I never really knew what to do until God put me flat on my back in that hospital bed and all the way I could see was up. He's capable of doing that too. We think we, we, we got it pretty good. I, you know, I, I, I can do this, I can do that, and all of a sudden we realize, <laughs> what's that song say? I can't even crawl <laughs> unless he holds my hand. I can't do anything unless he holds my hand. We just think we can, but he knows how to humble us. But we walk through this book. Let me just pick up there at chapter 24. I don't know if you're going with the first verse or wherever, whether we're going with that at all. But that's okay, whichever it is, however it is. I want to begin with chapter 24, verse uno, one. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. Now, mind you, I'm in the last chapter. He's going to start with the first chapter and do it justice and give it a great message detail through that. But I'm just going to touch on 
the last chapter here for a few moments. Then he assembled all the tribes at Shechem. Shechem's about 15 miles north of Jerusalem, if you're looking at it on a mental picture of a map of Israel. He summoned the elders, the leaders, judges, officials of Israel, and they presented them before God. Let's just think locally for a second. Whoever your committee is for homecoming or Brother Richard or all of us together said, uh, we're going to have homecoming on the 25th of October and I want all of you to be here. Come home. It's going to be homecoming that day. Sometimes I get into these experiences and I think, well, I want to, do I want to preach on homecoming? I want to preach on home going. Because I get excited about home going. I've got a lot of interest on the other side of Jordan in a spiritual sense. And you do too. Calling them together to present themselves to the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, verse 2, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. And then he begins to speak to them what God is saying to them. Long ago, your forefathers included Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. He's going all the way back to when Abraham was way over in what we call the Ur of the Chaldees before he called him and Sarai and Lot and other family members to come out of Ur and took them up to Haran and then brought them down into the land of Canaan. As I would say, he took them from Pensacola, Florida up through Memphis, Tennessee and then brought them down into Stanley, Louisiana. Get you a mental picture. It's about that kind of distance. Pensacola, up to Memphis, and down to here. Now, mind you, they were on foot or on camels. There was no greyhounds. There was no Cadillacs. There was no Model A's. It was a slow process. Going all the way back to Abraham before he left, on the other side of the Euphrates River, Talked about Philip a while ago. I, I thought I was going to be on the Euphrates River a few years back. Because when I got a phone call and it said the Pentagon, I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> I'd already retired, I thought. And they said, we're fixing to go up both sides of the Tigris-Euphrates River and we're going into Baghdad and we're going to take down Saddam Hussein. But I need you to go to Fort Stewart, Georgia because the 3rd Infantry Division is already there and they're fixing to head out. But they have left behind 22,000 wives and children that we need an older, wiser chaplain to go and minister to. I said, I fit half of that. I'm definitely older. He said, no, you, 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 you can handle it. I'd already retired and took my BDUs, my battle dress uniform, and given it to my sons to go deer hunting or squirrel hunting or whatever with. But I went to Fort Polk and bought new uniforms, and my wife sewed patches on, and 48 hours later I showed up at Fort Stewart, Georgia, for the next year plus. 
I knocked on 38 doors in that time frame to be the bearer of sad news to somebody that had lost a husband or a son in that situation. I did memorial services from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, all the way to Miami Beach, Florida, up and down that east coast. I didn't go overseas, but I saw the results of what was taking place overseas. And as my wife said to me, Lee, somebody had to go there and minister. I'm glad they called you. I enjoyed it. Because God had called me and prepared me to minister to military families, no matter where they were or who they were. And it wasn't just Army. I was doing Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, Marine, a whole gamut. The father Abraham lived beyond the river Euphrates and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I assigned hill country of the Seers to Esau. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. And you remember they spent 400 years in Egypt. And they had become slaves to the Egyptians during that time. Verse 5, Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. And then he goes on to say what had happened since then. As under Joshua's leadership, they had crossed over the Jordan River. Uh, I, there, there's a message that I share sometimes about when God does what he does. You know, when, Pharaoh, uh, when, when Joshua said to those people, because each one of them had a stone, they picked up in the river and carried across and they put those stones as an altar of worship. But nothing happened on that raging river that day until they stepped into the water. You know, sometimes you have to get your feet wet before you see what God's going to do through you. Now, that's a frightening thought as well. I can't do it. We can't do this, brother. Hey, no, we, have, have we tried? Have we stepped out on faith? If somebody says it's going up to the top rung of the ladder and taking one more step and find out there's a solid rock right there. God has a way of helping us if we're willing to step out on faith. Nothing happened until they put their feet in the river. And then he goes down, I'm going to skip to verse 13. God says, I gave you a land in which you did not toil. We're talking about the promised land now. They're in there. 
and cities that you did not build. And you can eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Think about that. This church has been here 166 years. Some of you did not have anything to do with the building of this particular building or the building before that, but somebody did. And we have the benefit of worshiping in a beautiful sanctuary that we did not build, but somebody built it for us, for future generations. Kind of the picture of what he's saying to those people as they have come back into the land of promise. I have blessed you because of those others that were here before you. Now let me get to verse 14 where I really wanted to focus. Now, he said, that's a big word. Now, fear the Lord. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to be scared of the Lord. It's really the word for an awesome respect. Awesome respect the Lord. And serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now that is almost the same phrase that Jacob used after he had gotten all in trouble there with his dad, trying to steal that birthright in a sense that was supposed to go to Esau the firstborn, but he and his mother Rebekah sort of connived it out. And he, and he had to leave and flee for a number of years. And Jacob went off up to Iran and spent some time up there. But eventually, even though it took him 20 years to come back, he, he told his what would be his future father-in-law, I'll work for you for seven years to get that good-looking daughter of yours. And he worked those seven years, and then, then Laban gave him Leah instead of Rachel. Rachel was pretty. Leah was homely. And he said, you tricked me. Well, you work seven more years, and I'll give you the one you really want. And he worked seven more years for the one he really wanted. And the scripture says, and he worked six more years for wages. So he was gone 20 years. But God said, get up, get up and go back to Bethel where I met with you there. When he'd had that dream, seeing that ladder going up and down to heaven and angels ascending and descending on it. And he'd made that commitment to God. You bless me and I'll serve you as long as I live. He went off and a lot of water went on the bridge and he kind of forgot those commitments. God said, you come back and rebuild that altar. And when he did, when he got back, he said to all that group that was with him, even those wives, put away those strange gods that you had back up there. And here Joshua is saying the same thing to the people who had gathered at Shechem. Put away those strange gods that you've accumulated through the years. Now, we think of those gods as being some little idol, something that they had made. And they could have been. But what are some of the gods that we hold on to? I'm not going to ask you for a confessional or even a raise of hands. But are there things in our lives 
that we put before the real God. If we're honest, we do it sometimes. And I, I don't want to get into specifics because your sin and my sin may be different, but they're all sins in the eyes of God. Whatever comes between us and that everyday relationship with Jesus Christ is a sin. What did Jesus tell the disciples after they'd gone up to Mount Hermon and they were discussing about, now who do the people say I am? And Well, you're Moses, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets, da, 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 da. But who do you say I am? Boy, got very personal in a hurry. Who do you say I am? Of course, Peter made that great confessional. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Then he said, fellas, if you really want to be my disciples, here's what you need to do. Got to do. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. Now, he was just fixing to go to Jerusalem and be crucified at that point. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And Luke adds in his his gospel, and take up your cross what? Daily. Daily. It's not just on Sunday morning. Every single day. Before we even get out of that bed, our eyes pop open. Thank you, Lord. I'm alive. You're alive. Because of you, I'm going to live for you today. What's that little song say? This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is a gift from God. I, I, I think of myself. And I, Brother Philip and I was talking about, I'll go. My dad died very young at 58. It's young to me because I was only seven. Just finished second grade in downtown Fairview Alpha on the line between Red River Parish and Actors Parish, for those of you who don't know where it is. I said, Brother Ben Joyner was, <laughs> he was our pastor at least three different times. Every time we needed to pastor, go get Brother Ben. So about the time I was discovering America in 1943, 44, 45, along in those times, Brother Ben Joyner was our pastor. Brother Larry and my brother Stanley was on the state basketball team in 1947, the only year Fairview Alpha ever won state in basketball. We even got close with Brother Larry Joyner and Stanley Dixon and some other folks. Mr. Wilmer Jackson, who came on over here to Logan Sport and was principal for years, but he was the principal coach at Fairview Alpha back in those days, about the time I started first grade. He used to go to preach in Logan Sport and go eat lunch with Mr. and Ms. Jackson. They didn't know me hardly, but they remembered my brothers. God is so good. So good. But, verse 15, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose 
for yourselves this day, not next year, next week. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it be the gods of the forefathers served on the other side of the Tigris, Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living in Canaan is where the Amorites were. But, whew, it's a big word, but as for me, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I, I, I believe that every person on the sound of my voice today, I have to believe that every person here is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. But three choices, not the cradle, the cross, and the crown. But I want to start with your master. Who is going to be the master of your life? You've made that commitment, probably as a 7, 10, 15, 60, whatever age person. You made Jesus the Lord of your life. I floundered and fumbled on that till I was a junior in high school. And you know by the time you're a junior in high school and you've got six, five older brothers, two of which are already deceased and the other three are already gone off into the military. All three of them gone. It was just mothering me. My dad had died. And here I was, a junior in high school. And there I sat across the desk from Mr. Earl Morris, who was the sheriff of Natchitoches Parish. And he was not there to give me a Boy Scout award. He was there because I had broken a commandment or two or three or four and had done some bad things. He said, Son... I got two places I can send you. One is over in the Monroe area. It's LTI. And the other is down in the De Quincey area. And it's LTI. Louisiana Training Institute for rebellious young boys who get in trouble like you have. That's not a good feeling. But I had a basketball coach. Thank God he was there. He walked in and I think he was ear dropping out the door probably through the whole conversation. But he said, Sheriff, that boy's mother is a widow. And what he's done is going to break her heart. But let, let, let me take responsibility for him. And I'll go and talk to his mother. And the sheriff turned me over to Coach Lamar Pace a native of Menden, coaching at Fairview Alpha. And he put me in the car, and we headed home. And he looked at me, and with a bony little old finger, he pointed it right between my eyes. 
And he said, Lee, if you don't get your life straightened out with Jesus, you're going to bust, bad word, bust hell wide open. I knew he was telling the truth. Because I'd come in many a night and my mother would be down beside the bed on her knees crying and praying and crying and praying for her rebel prodigal son. Dear friends, that night, it was this prodigal who was on the knees beside the bed saying, God, oh God, I have sinned greatly. I have broken my mother's heart. I violated the laws of the state and the nation and the country. And God, I am bet off. Please, God, forgive me. And he did. He did. He became my master that night. Never forget it. Never forget it. About three years later, by the grace of God and some very loving, caring teachers, I graduated. I graduated number six in my class of ten. They talk about Mr. Biden being way down on the list. I was in the lower 40 percentile. But the teachers loved me. In those days, the teachers all lived in the community. They were Sunday school teachers. They were the principal. They, they were us. And they loved me. And they helped me to get into college. And then I encountered a Baptist student director. Brother Bill Collins is today down at Northwestern. And you may know some others. But Miss Myra Gulledge was there then. She was there for 30 years seven years and she took a carload at the end of that first summer when I got there to Glorietta, New Mexico to the Glorietta Baptist Assembly out there like our Clara Springs camp only a place that could take care of about 2,500 and I began to feel God was working in my life didn't know exactly what all was going on but I had made a commitment Lord whatever you want me to do I'm all yours. I'd already made that choice. Who's going to be my master? But I wasn't sure about some other things. Because kind of my God, to be honest about it, right there at that point in time was, was money. I, I wanted to get an education so I could make some money. Because I said my dad died. He only had a third grade education. My mother had no real skills, and she had a fourth-grade education. You couldn't put them together and come up with a high school diploma. She said, the only thing I know that God gifted me to do is raise boys, because he's given me six of them. And I was the baby, Philip. Ten years after the other five had been born. I was really an accident. But thank God they didn't have much abortion in those days, because I might have got aborted. But she gave me life. And I turned that life over to God. But while I was out there, I, I began to pray, Lord, please help me find a mate. Who's your master? Who's going to be your mate? 
Please help me find a mate that loves Jesus as much as I do or maybe more. It took a year for that to happen. Because I just finished the first summer, went to Glorietta, and through the next school year, and rolled around to what's really next week. Halloween, 1962. A young lady from Florine. We call her Florine Black Cat because she that, that, that that's like we're the Wildcats, and I'm not sure what Stanley is, but Fairview is Wildcats, and they're Black Cats. And she came down to the Baptist Student Union, and we had a Halloween hayride on that Halloween night, the last day of October, 1962, and it was a cold night. And you know what? She didn't bring a coat. And I gentlemanly like took my jacket off and put it around her shoulders. That was 58 years ago, and I've not let her out of my sight since then. Almost three years later, we got married. But not before we had some serious discussions. I said, honey, I, I, I don't know what your aspirations in life is. She was in nursing and turned out to be a great one. I don't know what your aspirations is, but I know God is calling me into ministry. That'd be another choice. And then I found out just some months after that, her mother was in the hospital in Zawali dying with ovarian cancer. But as I stood by her bed, she said, Lee, I have always prayed that Barbara Jean would marry a minister, and I think you might be him. Woo! And God put us together. Now, I know there's some folks that become ministers way later in life and, 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 and it, sometimes it causes marital problems because the lady I didn't marry a preacher, I married a car salesman I married, I, I married a carpenter I, I didn't marry a preacher I, I know there's a lot of deals out there in life but God has a way if we're patient of bringing us together it might not be perfect. It's sort of like a lot of other problems in life. I cannot go back and you cannot go back and undo past days. But it's sort of like living that pure life. You can't go back and undo back there. But you can take that ring and that vow and commit that from this day forward, I'm going to live for Jesus. You can't undo that. But from here forward, you can choose to serve Jesus faithfully until He calls you home. And then it does come down to what's your mission in life going to be? You say, well, God called Brother Richard and called you and some of these other folks to be preached. He, 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 he ain't called me to do anything like that. You're probably a lot better off. Because I did fight it. I didn't want to be a preacher. I don't know about Brother Richard. When I met him, he was a wonderful funeral director. But God was already working in his life and Nicole's as well. God does those things that we don't even see Him doing. And that's what He was saying to the people at Shechem. I can't make a decision 
for you. You choose to serve the gods from way back over yonder where Abraham came out of the Ur of the Chaldees or back down in Egypt or even here in, in Canaan in the land where all the Amorites are, all these pagan false gods. You, you, you can choose. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. It's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And I believe that's what he wants for the membership of Mount Olivet Baptist Church and First Baptist Church in Actors, where my membership is, that I'm seldom there, but you understand all of that. When I went there 42 years ago when I started this other job as, as director of missions, Brother Larry Fields was there and he said, Lee, you send your wife, you send your kids, and you send your tithes to this church and you go preach wherever you want to preach. And that's all the way my life has been since that day. But I've loved it. God has blessed it. God has honored it, and I give Him all the glory. As Andre Crouch said in that song, To God be the glory, great things He hath done. Pray with me, please.